welcome to Connecting Citizens to Science, a podcast from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine about engaging communities in global health research. I'm Kim Ozano. And I'm Bea Eggard. And throughout this series, we'll be talking to researchers from around the world, exploring how they connect with people to address a range of challenges in global health. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. We have a brand new series this month that is all about non-communicable diseases, or NCDs. In recent decades, rates of NCDs, such as diabetes and high blood pressure, have risen sharply in sub-Saharan Africa and are now linked to approximately 2 million deaths per year. Countries across the continent are rapidly looking to address this new epidemic. But this is difficult, with much of the healthcare system still focused on the treatment of communicable diseases like HIV, for example. This podcast series will explore many aspects of the problems related to NCDs, across sub-Saharan Africa, including how Africa and European researchers from the Respond Africa group with healthcare providers and governments in East Africa are working with local communities to better understand the issues related to NCDs and how to address their care. In particular, the group are interested in how integrating the care of NCDs with other currently well-treated conditions like HIV again can benefit the patients and local healthcare systems by improving care and saving them both time and money. But before we begin, we have a brand new co-host with us today, and we're always excited to hear from them. Joseph Okebe, welcome and tell us a bit about yourself. Thanks very much, Kim. So uh, my name is Joseph Okebe, and uh, I'm Nigerian, and uh, my background is in medicine. I've been working in research for a few years now. Um, more recently, my research had look, is looking at how primary health care services for people living with chronic conditions, you know, such as diabetes, um, hypertension, and, and, and HIV, can be improved. Um, I'm based at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, and we recently just concluded um, a, a, a large study which was evaluating the impact of having services for all these conditions sort of delivered together in the same clinic. So really looking forward to um, this podcast. Thank you. Well, what a privilege to have you on board. I know you said a few years research there. You weren't willing to tell us how many, hey? Uh, Well, uh, it's probably north of uh, two decades. (laughs) Thank you very much. It sounds very interesting. And I think we're going to hear more about integration today, which is great. So without further ado, let's move forward to uh, introduce our guests. So today's episode um, we have Dr. Anu Garib and Ms. Flavia Zalwango, and they will be talking to us about the challenges and opportunities of addressing NCDs in Uganda. Anu is trained in public health medicine and is currently based at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine as a principal research associate where she focuses on NCD care and is engaged in clinical studies on the prevention of diabetes. Flavia is currently based at the Medical Research Council in the Uganda Virus Research Institute and the London School of Tropical Medicine in the Uganda Research Unit. Flavia is a social scientist where she conducts research on NCDs. So I have introduced you both, but now we need to hear from you. Welcome, Anu and Flavia. Anu, how are you today? Tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you've been doing. Hi, Kim. Hi, Joseph. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, really good to be part of this podcast. Currently, I'm working on a couple of different studies within the Respond Africa Partnership um, based around the delivery of NCD care and prevention. 
Thank you. Could you just tell us a little bit more about the partnership? So the Respond Africa partnership uh, started in around 2017 um, with three key partners uh, based at LSTM, um, the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, as well as uh, Uganda, the Uganda Virus Research Institute, London School of Hygiene Tropical Medicine, and the National Institutes of Medical Research in Tanzania. Um, we were able to very fortunately to get a grant from NIHR to do some preliminary work around the um, prevention and management of non-communicable diseases and HIV. And the group has grown from there with um, several new partners and uh, an expanding research portfolio. Before we delve into that a little bit further, Flavia, welcome and tell us a bit about yourself and the work you've been doing. Thank you very much, Kim, um, for the introduction. And um, this is a great opportunity for me uh, to be part of this session. Um, over the last 14 years, I've been involved in research with different categories of people, with women at risk of HIV and STIs, older adults, adolescents and children. I was mainly focusing on the impact of HIV on their lives and management of HIV as a chronic condition. I'm currently involved in conducting research on integration of NCDs and HIV care at selected clinics in Uganda. I work with a team of researchers who interact directly with the patients, healthcare providers, community leaders, and policymakers in order to generate the evidence at a multi-stakeholder level. And we're also working closely with our collaborators from the UK, mainly from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. Thank you. Thank you, Flavia. It sounds like you must have great communication and collaboration skills because you work across all these different groups and all these different levels of the health system as well. So tell us a little bit more what are the things that you need to consider when engaging with uh, women at risk, older adults, children? Tell us a little bit about the opportunities and challenges of engaging with them, both in research capacity and in a, a clinical capacity. Um, well, I can say that, let me start with older adults. Um, these have largely been left out of our um, programming and, and you know, police, at the policy level. Um, but we have been um, trying our best to bring them on board, uh, conducting research with them. And some of the, the challenges that still exist when researching older people, uh, many of them are living in extreme poverty because we've been conducting research in communities that are mainly based in the rural areas. So many of them have been experiencing extreme poverty and it actually prevented them from getting to the centers where they could receive information and also where they could receive health care. So um, if we had not gone down to their homes, maybe these people would not have been able to partake of the different services. So there's still a very big problem. And many of them um, face a problem of mobility, um, they experience many physical conditions. Uh, they've lost their loved ones. Many are lonely. So they're not able to come out to the different centers where among the young people, um, 
the issues of consent, um, usually um, children under 18 years require the consent of, of their parents. And for some of the studies, we find that um, the children are spending more time in school. Many of them are in boarding schools. So when you're conducting a study, it's very hard to link up with the parents at that particular time. So this has affected uh, most of the work and it has delayed the work because you have to push it to the holidays when you're able to, to call the parents or link up with the parents who, are, who should be able to consent for the children. And um, the other thing I can say is that we, we've done maybe less work with children and more work with, with adolescents, but I think we need to bring all categories on board because when it comes to uh, preventing the common diseases in, in our society, we need to engage all age groups, a life course approach in order to ensure that we, we, we can promote prevention practices instead of always dealing with treatment of cases, yet we can also engage in prevention of the different conditions by engaging the younger people and giving them the information that they need to prevent the different uh, conditions. Thank you. Thank you very much. It sounds like you learned a lot about the populations that you work with. Uh, just sticking with you for a little bit longer here. Uh, the other end of the spectrum, policymakers and leaders, engaging with them is considerably different, I can imagine. In Uganda, how, how is that uh, for you? We've been able to reach out to community leaders because many of our programs um, are conducted in, in the communities. So we reach out to the local council leaders, village leaders, village health teams. So most of our engagement has been at that level. And we also endeavor um, to reach out to the leaders within the healthcare systems, the district health officers, and even at, at the facility level, uh, we endeavor to reach out to the, the, the medical officers. At the policymaker level, we try as much as possible to reach out to people in the Ministry of Health. It, it, has, been, it has been a bit challenging because these are very busy people and know that many people are trying to contact them about different things. Many researchers are out there targeting the same group of people. So many times they're engaged. But, you know, with, with patients, you can be able to, to reach out them, make the appointments, um, try to fit within their, their schedule. If um, someone can only do a Zoom meeting, you, you, you can actually go ahead and do a Zoom meeting. If they're able to do a physical meeting, you go ahead and do a physical meeting. But we've, we've tried our best to reach out the, to the policymakers. And the information they've given us is invaluable. Yeah, so we, we really appreciate the role of every stakeholder in trying to um, create the, the evidence that we need to improve programming, to improve policy um, for our different interventions in the community and at the different levels of society. Thank you very much. It sounds like a, a very holistic approach. Anu, do you have anything to add about your experiences of trying to engage different stakeholders? Yeah, I would just like to, to add to what Flavia has said, and I think we've been really fortunate in the Respond Africa Partnership that our 
the policymakers that we've worked with in Uganda and in Tanzania have been engaged with us from very, very early on, and they've been partners with us from very early on. And that's been critical because we wanted to be able to conduct research that was answering questions that was relevant for those settings. And the policymakers, the healthcare workers, are the people who really know what those questions are. So they were critical in helping us to establish the, um, the, the studies and to help us uh, hone down the questions that we wanted to address in our research. And, that's and we've been so fortunate that they've been able to engage with us from, a, from an early stage and have continued their engagement with us for the, you know, for the duration of the studies that we've been able to, to conduct. Thank you very much. And we've heard across other episodes as well, the importance of you having that engagement so early on uh, to make sure that the questions are relevant for the context and, and really answer the need. So thank you both for that. Joseph, I'll hand over to you to explore the project in more detail. Yeah, thanks, Kim. I've done some work in this field, but, you know, sort of listening to it from colleagues also reminds me of why we decided to go into this, uh, you know, line of work. But so um, I do have a question. So I remember when um, sort of growing up in medical school, you know, the, the general impression we had were conditions like diabetes and hypertension were a disease of the rich. So you wouldn't expect, you know, people, you know, who... And you wouldn't expect people in Africa to, you know, come down with, you know, things like that. They will always attribute that to the more affluent person. So um, maybe um, we, could, we could start with you, Anu. How, how big is the problem of NCDs in Africa? Thanks, Joseph. Yes, you're right. The, the perception has always been that these are conditions that affect people living in Europe and America. And it's not really something... Um, that people living in low and middle income countries should be worried about. But actually, if you have a, a, about 77% of all non-communicable disease deaths are now happening in low and middle income countries. And if you think about the, um, uh, the relationship between communicable and non-communicable diseases, a lot of the focus in low and middle income countries has been on communicable diseases. I think, Kim, in your introduction, you mentioned HIV. But actually, in Africa, there's about 25 million people who are living with HIV currently. But there are about 300 million who are living with hypertension, about 19 million that are living with diabetes. And these, the, the, the prevalence of these non-communicable diseases are expected to increase very rapidly in the coming decades. So diabetes, for example, is expected to increase by 145% over the next two decades, which is the highest increase anywhere in the world. So the scale of these problems are huge. And I think the, the perception that these are not really conditions that are affecting um, low and middle income countries is really not true. And one of the things that makes that uh, affects um, one of the things that non-communicable diseases that the prevalence one of the characteristics of the prevalence of non-communicable diseases in Africa, for example, is that it's affecting much younger people. So people who are still economically active, people who are still contributing to their families, to the communities, are affected by NCDs, and that has a real impact on their ability to take care of themselves and of their families. So these are 
conditions that are really um, already having a huge impact and that impact is expected to increase tremendously in the coming years. I've only mentioned two conditions, diabetes and hypertension, but non-communicable diseases, that term encompasses a number of conditions. So it also includes people with cancers, people with mental health conditions, depression, anxiety, as well as other conditions like chronic lung diseases, etc. So there are um, a variety of conditions that are included within this uh, catch-all term of non-communicable diseases. And what we are seeing is that there is increase pretty much in all of them, and that's expected to continue in the coming years. That's quite interesting. Um, um, Flavia, so question is, what what do you think is driving this, this, this huge uh, burden of NCDs in Africa? Yeah, the burden of non-communicable diseases uh, in sub-Saharan Africa over the past decade especially uh, shows that most adults are exposed to at least one risk factor for NCDs, including tobacco consumption, harmful alcohol use, unhealthy diets, um, physical inactivity, obesity, or high blood pressure. Um, the number of people in regular HIV care is rising, just like the number of people are living with NCDs, especially hypertension and diabetes. And the increasing burden of NCDs is causing a strain on the overburdened healthcare system in Africa. There's a younger um, age onset of NCDs. There's the issue of comorbidity of NCDs with HIV. And NCDs are severe in populations affected by poverty. And the other thing is that country-level policies are usually slow and uneven. There's a lack of political will. The resources are inadequate. And there's limited technical capacity. But when you come down to a country like Uganda, um, the burden of disease is still shifted towards infectious diseases with the top three causes of, the, of disability adjusted life years being HIV AIDS, malaria, and lower respiratory infections. However, in the past 10 years, the prevalence of NCDs has rapidly increased, and currently NCDs are among the first 25 main causes of disability-adjusted life years in Uganda. NCDs and their risk factors are a public health problem in Uganda, and most of the risk factors are linked to socioeconomic lives. Just like in Africa, Problems uh, that predispose people to NCDs are related to alcohol consumption, physical inactivity, but additionally, we have problems of low fruit and vegetable intake, which are common in our, in our society. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, thank you, Flavia. So it, it, it's really quite shocking, you know, the, the numbers that you've, uh, you know, presenting, and uh, I would... I, I can imagine that 
you know this will probably will be the same numbers you see in most parts of you know in other countries in Africa so how how are countries currently trying to address this um, huge problem of NCDs that 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 facing their populations yeah thank you Joseph um, in sub-saharan Africa there is generally coordinated control uh, of NCDs and care programs, but these programs are relatively new um, in the African context. There are significant gaps in funding and operational evidence um, for these programs to run smoothly. Um, for example, um, only 5 to 10% of people with diabetes are in regular care in Africa. So it means that the issue of healthcare seeking needs to be strengthened so people can reach out to the different facilities where the services um, are being offered. Um, the key challenges also relate to linkage and retention in care. So there's an urgent need to expand the capacity of the healthcare systems in sub-Saharan Africa to provide NCDs uh, in an integrated manner so that we can reduce duplication and also streamline the services that are being offered. In Uganda, uh, in 2006, the Ministry of Health established the program for the prevention and control of NCDs. Government health centers um, are instrumental in offering integrated services in different contexts. And in Uganda, government owns 72% of health centers and 52% of the hospitals. So government is taking the lead in the control of NCDs in Uganda. Uh, so the availability of local data is essential for the formation of policies that address NCDs and the health system needs to be restructured in order to support chronic diseases management in Uganda. So we need to generate the evidence and we need to, to generate the information that will be useful to create favorable policies uh, for the control of NCDs in Uganda. Thanks, Flavia. Um, so I know if I was going to just a follow-on question from that. So she's mentioned quite a, a number of terms. So what is this integration and why is it such a buzzword now in, with, when it comes to managing chronic conditions in Africa? Thanks, Joseph. Before I talk about integration, just mention something that Flavia was talking about, which is she was you know, talking about a lot of different ways in which healthcare needs to be provided. And I think the real difference between um, the way healthcare is provided for communicable diseases and non-communicable diseases is that for a communicable disease, if you have an episode of malaria, you have an episode of diarrhea, you might come into a clinic, you get treated, you go away and there isn't necessarily any need for you to come back. But with NCDs, you, the NCD is with you for life. So you need to have lifelong care, which means that 
you need to be able to attend a healthcare facility on a regular basis. They need to know what they've given you every time that you've come. You need to have a consistent drug supply. You need to have information that's collected about you that other people can see so that they know what's happening in terms of your care. So the whole model of how care delivery has to happen is quite different for NCDs than it is for communicable diseases, which is what health systems in Africa have largely been dealing with. So there needs to kind of be a shift from thinking about managing short episodes of illness to managing a long-term, lifelong condition that requires a relationship between a healthcare provider and a patient. So there's lots of different ways of accessing care, lots of different ways that they can stay engaged with their treatment program, a supportive environment with adherence. And that is, that's really what a, you know, a chronic disease model needs to contain. So that's been established and it's been working really, really well. So if you imagine a patient who has HIV and you know, they come to the clinic maybe every three months or maybe every six months, and then they develop diabetes and they come to a clinic and actually the care that they need for the diabetes can't be delivered at this clinic and they've, they've got to go somewhere else. Commonly, the, the kinds of stories that we hear are, uh, I went to the clinic and I saw the doctor, but they were only able to give me one month's worth of treatment and they told me to come back again the next month. And so the, the kind of um, support that they need, the adherence counseling that they need, the regular drug supplies are not in place. So people who have more than one condition are kind of really struggling to be able to access care for, for those conditions because they may need to attend a diabetes clinic here and a hypertension clinic there and an HIV clinic somewhere else. And the costs in terms of transport, in terms of time that they have to take away from work are really considerable. So integration is a solution that's being offered as a way of allowing people to be able to access all the care that they need in a single interaction with a healthcare provider. Benefits both for the patients and for the health service and that the patients have to spend less money and time accessing care and the health service has to spend less time and money delivering care in different settings and at different times. So that's why integration is becoming, um, as being offered up as a, as a solution to the rapidly growing burden of non-communicable diseases. I also wanted to say that integration enhances the health workers' capacity to deal with people with um, multi-morbidity because they are able to receive training, but also the experience of handling um, different people uh, with different conditions at the same time and the same place also helps them to grow in their work, improve their skills, and also gain knowledge uh, to be able to do their work better. Then the other thing is about mitigating stigma especially for HIV patients, when they're able to come to a center with other patients with different conditions, no one will single them out because stigma is a very big problem in our communities and it has been preventing some people from accessing healthcare. So if they are able to come to one clinic 
it will be difficult to know who has which condition. So people are able to improve their health care seeking practices and this will lead to more people enrolling into care. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, thanks, Olivia. So I wanted to ask, how do you think we should be engaging communities? Let's look at it from you know two points of view. So um, I know you've mentioned that the burden or the prevalent is growing. So we really need to do something to try and you know reduce or slow it down, as as it were. But also uh, we have people who already have these conditions, so we would have to think about how to treat them. So how do you think we can engage our communities to address NCD, both in terms of prevention and and in terms of treatment? I think that the prevention approach needs to happen at a number of different levels. So we need to try and um, encourage people at a whole society level, and that requires communication um, and programs that are uh, really addressing some of the uh, risk factors and educating the population on why it is necessary to take up certain behaviors. I think then once people have developed non-communicable diseases, there are different prevention messages that need to, you know, that need to occur in how people can improve their health by stopping uh, certain behaviors like smoking or alcohol use, etc. That's brilliant. So, Flavia, probably want to get your thoughts on this. If you go to the hospital and you've got HIV, they say, well, you need to eat so that, you know, you don't look so thin. But then um, if you've got diabetes, then the same doctor says, you know, you have to cut down on everything. You have to lose weight. So how do, you know, how how does culture and context, you know, play into, you know, how, you know, communities can be approached to resolving uh you know, the problem of of NCDs. Thanks, Joseph. If I think about the delivery of the project around integrating NCD and HIV care, what we did there was, well, we engaged both with with patients and the community in general, and then we engaged as well with healthcare workers and sort of the, I guess you could call them the community of people who deliver the care. So what we had to do there was to explain what it was, to be very clear about what it was that we were hoping to achieve in terms of reorganizing how the services were delivered and what the reasons for that were. And then in terms of how we engaged with patients and other and the communities, we needed to take a lot of time really to explain why HIV and non-communicable diseases were similar. You know, there's been a lot of stigma around uh, HIV, and so there was a lot of concern that people would not be willing to engage with an integrated kind of uh, service delivery because there would be some stigma attached to receiving care, for example, together with HIV patients. And we had a lot of discussion, both with healthcare providers, with patient groups, with community leaders to explain why this was necessary. So in that sense, it was really, really important that we got a a very good idea of how people felt about being able to attend this kind of, uh, of clinic. In terms of 
clinical trials, clinical trials are a very, very different type of research. It's very structured. Um, we ask very specific things. We, you know, would like to see patients in a in a very uh, structured way. But it's really important that we communicate both with with patients and with the community at, at, in general why it is that we're conducting this kind of research. Because people have a lot of questions. You know, they want to know: Are you experimenting on us? Uh, are you, you know, why why do we need to do? to conduct a trial where you're also giving us a placebo? Do you not know that this drug is going to you know, work? What sort of questions do you have? And it's really important for us to establish clear lines of you know, very, very good communication, both with patients and with communities in general, so that we are able to answer the concerns that people come up with. And sometimes they're predictable concerns, and sometimes they're really not, because you have to be open to, um, you know, to understanding all the interpretation that people might have about uh, about a particular study. I think the one last thing I would say is about about I guess communities of care. So the the study that we're doing the the randomized control trial is in a, an HIV population, and when we tell people we'd like to enroll you into the study, they say. Well, I, actually, I want to talk to somebody else about it. I just want to get another person's opinion. Maybe they want to talk to their family. And maybe they actually want to go and talk to the other healthcare providers because they've been in the HIV clinic for a long time. They have relationships with their doctors, with their counselors, with the pharmacists. And so we also have to spend time making sure that other people within you know, that community of care delivery understand what we're doing as well and are also able to address patients' concerns and answer their questions. So I think we have to be very proactive about addressing um, what we are doing and making sure the information is there and thinking very broadly about who community is in terms of who the patients will be willing or, or may, may look to seek answers. I just wanted to just pick up on something a little bit about stigma. If you think particularly around mental health, around depression, around epilepsy, there can be a lot of stigma associated with some of these conditions. And even something like diabetes, sometimes people don't want to be able to tell people in their communities that they have um, an NCD like diabetes. So we um you know we assume that that stigma is is related to certain conditions but actually there may be stigma associated with non-communicable diseases as well and that could really influence people coming forward to look for care and people being willing to be identified as as being somebody with a non-communicable disease what's the viewpoint of the community on how how this research is influencing their perception of their condition and the kind of service that uh, is being delivered. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. Um, many of them uh, appreciated the approach that we introduced in their community because they, they cited the benefits of receiving care in one clinic, especially for people with more than one condition. So it saved a lot of time for them. It saved a lot of money. They didn't have to come at different times in a week to attend the different clinics. So they said it, it was cost-saving for them 
And the other benefit they talked about is while they're waiting to receive care, they're able to talk to each other. There's a form of psychosocial support they receive from one another. And they valued that. Um, although in their discourses, um, the people who had um, HIV, who had HIV and another condition, were not comfortable talking about HIV. They would rather talk about diabetes or hypertension because of the stigma that is still attached to HIV. But still, they were able to talk about something at the end of that day, and that helps them. They would mainly talk about the treatment options. They would talk about the, the nutrition and the challenges they were facing getting um, the recommended food that the doctors were, were telling them to eat. Um, the other issue maybe that uh, came out in our community was that HIV patients were being given treatment that was free as opposed to patients with other conditions. They had to do some form of cost sharing so that was a concern. And they would talk about this in their small meetings, asking why, why aren't we getting medicine like people with HIV? And those who have been, had been to the clinic longer would explain uh, some of the, why some of these things were like that. Yes, they were free to ask questions. They were free to interact. Something which never used to happen so often. So it was very beneficial um, for the people in the community. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. Yes, Anu, um, any comments on that? As researchers, I think we need to look for the best ways of enabling people to be able to undertake prevention activities in their own lives. And if they do have an NCD, to be able to be the, the expert patient their expert patient for themselves to be able to take control of the management of that condition. Um, and that requires education at every level. The patients themselves, the communities in general to be supportive, to create a supportive environment, healthcare workers to understand how to deliver that information and how to support their patients. Yeah, thanks so much. I think we have... Um, uh, from 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 the discussions, there's quite a lot a lot to you know a, a lot of benefits to actually having this care integrated because it's it, we're we're talking about the person, not necessarily you know the condition. So we have to always remember that it's about the person, it's about the community that you know, and not just you know a tick box exercise or you know condition one, condition two. So it's, it's really been very nice. I think people working in the, the field of NCDs, especially integration, um, should work with the different stakeholders who are involved in offering care, who are involved in designing the policies, who are involved in reaching out to the communities in different ways, the mobilizers, the village health teams, the health workers themselves, uh, train them where necessary and you know, ensure that the different aspects of integration are strengthened so that they can reach out to more people. 
um, the burden of NCDs is still there and more people are getting NCDs. So we need to do more in that area in order to ensure that the services reach the people that need them the most. Thank you. Thank you so much to our guests. Thank you to our listeners um, for continuing to stay with us and uh, see you again next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye.